Don't touch that dial. It's the American Grooves Radio Hour with your host, Joe Lauro. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Joe Laro, American Grooves Radio, and that was Buck Washington playing that stride piano on an old chestnut called Old Fashioned Love. And tonight, we're going to be listening to some of the great stride piano players, ragtime piano players, boogie-woogie guys, all the hot piano players, a sampling of them, because there were many, that were recording in the 1920s and 30s, actually as far back as 1915. Buck Washington was the piano playing half of the duet, Buck and Bubbles, John Bubbles 
Bubbles was one of the great comedians and tap dancers of the teens up through the 1980s he performed. And they were a duo. They made films uh, in the late 20s. They appeared in many Black Broadway reviews and some Hollywood films. And he was quite a piano player. And that old chestnut written in 1917 by James P. Johnson is really just one of my favorite tunes of all times. Speaking of James P. Johnson, who wrote that tune, James P. was a Harlem stride piano player, one of the first and one of the most influential. He was basically the mentor to Fats Waller, who was, you know, just really maybe five or six years younger than James P. And James P. lived in Harlem for many years, recorded primarily in New York, was known as just an innovator of the stride piano, which was this cross between ragtime and jazz. And as U.B. Blake would say about James P., he had a left hand like God, and he certainly did. And here is one of his first and most important recordings, The Carolina Shout, 1921. Thank you. 
two tracks by James P. Johnson. The first, as I said, was Carolina Shout. And what you just heard, recorded about 10 years later, nine years to be exact, Crying for the Carolines, a pop tune from that year, given the stride treatment by Mr. James P. Johnson. And, you know, as I mentioned, Johnson was so influential to many pianists at the time, and Fats Waller, the most notable of those pianists. And, you know, that stride style, basically these piano players were playing like an entire orchestra. There is a left hand that is doing a bass off often and characteristically out of rhythm with the other part, just syncopated, I should say, not out of rhythm. Try to do it. it. If you play the piano a little bit, try to play using your left hand like that. It's it's like two different instruments. It requires such amazing skill and practice. Judy Carmichael, who lives right here in Sag Harbor, is also one of the great stride piano players. If you get a chance Check her out. She plays around once in a while while she's not playing around the world. And she is a disciple of James P. and Fats as well. We're lucky to have her here in town. But speaking of Fats, you'll hear a bit of the similarities. Fats takes it just a little bit further than James P. And here is Fats Waller in 1929 playing his own composition. Maybe you didn't know he wrote Ain't Misbehaving. He did. Thank you. 
Thomas Fats Waller playing his wonderful stride style on his composition, Ain't Misbehavin' from the Blackbirds of 1928 show, recorded just around that time, maybe a little bit later. I talked about how Fats took it a little bit further, that style, and he did. But when you get to pianists like Earl Hines, we're really talking about almost an entire different level of piano playing altogether. It's the extreme to me at that time. Now, obviously, things always move forward with jazz music. To me, the pinnacle of the advanced stride style is Earl Hines. We're going to go back to him in a little bit. Before we get to Earl, I want to go further back to the ragtime era. And Mike Bernard was a pianist. He was the house pianist at Tony Pastor's Music Hall. Tony Pastor's was sort of like the Madison Square Garden of the day, only in that it was where the big artists performed. It was a music hall. It was early, the earliest vaudeville, and variety entertainers at the time appeared there, from George M. Cohan, you name it, you know, to May Irwin, people that you've never heard of, perhaps. But in the milieu of vaudeville, they were top entertainers in their day. And Mike Bernard recorded a handful of sides in 1915, 19, 1914 and 15. Not too much more because piano was a very difficult instrument to properly record in the acoustic era, meaning that they had to get the piano to register through a horn, which had a diaphragm that vibrated the musical, you know, uh, the musical waves onto a piece of wax, hot wax. And somehow, you know, the piano didn't project well enough to get a really good high quality recording. They perfected it a little bit as time went on, but piano recordings didn't really flourish until the microphone was used in recording after 1925. But anyway, here are two early ragtime pianists. Mike Bernard first with his 1915 rag, followed by U.B. Blake recording in 1921, a tune that he called on the record, The Sounds of Africa. But if you know U.B.'s work, it actually is his 1899 composition, Charleston Rag. Thank you. 
sorry for the fade in on the on the UB track that you just heard, Charleston Rag. My copy of it has got some wear at the very beginning of it, and it's very very noisy. So I just kind of unfortunately cut the first thirty seconds of UB off. But I think you got the I think you got the idea by hearing the rest of it. UB Blake went on to live to be 100 years old. I got to see him one time at the old Red Blazer Inn where he sat in with Vince Giordano's Nighthawks. Vince is still playing in the city with his wonderful 12-piece band. Yubi came up, I think it was his birthday, and he played the Charleston Rag and a tune from his show, Shuffle Along, I'm Just Wild About Harry. Quite a night for me, for sure. So we were talking about Earl Hines. I did want to go a little bit further back before we jumped into the more modern sounds of Heinz. And here is Mary Lou Williams, who was very much in the Heinz style. She went on and on. We all know about her. She was performing maybe till into the 18, into the 1990s for sure. But this is her first solo recording. At the time, she was in a Kansas City band led by her husband, John Williams, and they got her to record a couple of solos in 1929 during one of the Kansas City sessions that she did with her husband's band. And this is called Nightlife. And it's going to be followed by the great Earl Hines, a rare recording on the QRS label that he made, a phonograph record in 1929 as well that he calls Chicago High Life. Mary Lou Williams and Earl Hines. Thank you. 
just unbelievable. Earl Hines, probably 25 years old when he made that recording. I can't even think that way. I mean, it is so complex rhythmically and requires such skill. It's just beyond my comprehension. And I respect any pianist who could achieve anything close to that. Anyway, um, Earl Hines. We're going to move to a different style of piano playing, and it's all kind of related. Related to ragtime, anyway, related to stride, related to boogie-woogie. And boogie-woogie was a style that was used on so many so many blues recordings, variations of boogie-woogie, you know, mixing these other genres. And here is a fellow by the name of Blind Leroy Garnett. 1931, he made one solo side only, and it is just remarkable. It's just so sad that that's all there really is of him as a solo pianist. And he was a real sort of house rent party, turpentine mill pianist, a musician that traveled around and played all the joints. And here he is in 1931, as I mentioned, playing his Louisiana Glide, recorded on the Paramount label, the one and only recording that this amazing pianist made. Enjoy it. Thank you. 
Barnett is clearly a disciple of ragtime and entrenched in that style, sort of a barrel house version of ragtime. Jelly Roll Morton was also entrenched in ragtime, but he, in my opinion, is one of the first real jazz pianists. He took ragtime, took it to a different level, nowhere near as complex as Heinz. And in fact, by 1930, when Jelly was living in New York City up in Harlem, all the younger musicians considered him even then as being old-fashioned. Now, he would have been the first to tell you that he invented jazz, and they all laughed at him. And he was stuck in his style, and it was discredited at the time. But a lot of younger record collectors and then musicians really embraced Jelly. Unfortunately, not not really until after he died in 1942. But here he is, and this is such a great example of his work. Here is Jelly Roll Morton playing Wolverine Blues, as recorded in Chicago with the Dodds brothers, Johnny Dodds on clarinet and Baby Dodds on drums, recorded in 1927 in that city for the RCA Victor label. Jelly had a contract with them that went on till about 1930, and it was kind of free form after that. But the 1926 to 30 Jelly Roll sides are just a marvel. Wolverine Blues. Thank you. 
Baby Dodds does more on the drums with a suitcase and a hi-hat than most drummers do with double bass drums, 15 tom-toms, and you name it. The man could swing. Another great pianist working in Chicago a little bit later, actually started around 1930, uh, don't really know what his name was. They believe it was Bob Call. On the records, the labels, whenever he's credited, is it is as Black Bob. So Black Bob is allegedly Bob Call. And he recorded with so many blues people. There's one solo that he did in 1930. But here is Bob Call, Black Bob, uh, playing behind Memphis Minnie in 1936. Shows you his blues barrel house boogie style, and it's called the Joe Lewis Strut, with Memphis Minnie commenting all throughout. Hey, hey, what y'all boys gonna do? Ain't you gonna play the Joe Lewis Strut? Yeah. Well, let's go, be out. That's what I'm talking about. Picking Mr. Piano Picker. 
Cow Cow Davenport with Ivy Smith, recorded on Vocalion in 1928. It's their tune, and they call it the State Street Jive. Now, Cow Cow Davenport, along with Pine Top Smith, were some of the first people to record the Boogie Woogie style. And I can't say that they invented it, clearly not, but they made it very famous on phonograph records. And Boogie Woogie became a craze in the 1930s into the late 1930s. People like Pete Johnson and Albert Ammons were recorded and they were absolutely worshipped by a young breed of people that were grooving on Boogie Woogie, and Boogie Woogie became all the rage. So here's some of the first recordings in that style, and that was, again, Cow Cow Davenport. But, you know, like anything in music, it's really hard to put your finger on who is, quote, the first. And he and Pine Top Smith were not the first people to play Boogie Woogie. There is actually a recording from 1921 by a pianist, an unknown pianist named Clay Custer. And it's Boogie Woogie. He calls it The Rocks. I interviewed Little Brother Montgomery, a Louisiana pianist who went back to the turn of the century. And he called that style Dudlow Joe. It was all Boogie Woogie. Pine Top Boogie Woogie, Cow Cows Boogie Woogie. You name it, and that was Cow Cow Davenport. Now we're going to leave with, it is getting kind of late, so I really only have time for one more recording. And this is another style. It's, it's not a blues or jazz style, all related. The pianist's name was Arizona Drains, and she was a blind gospel 
singer and pianist. She accompanied so many people, and she was the person who really developed the sanctified piano style. It's a two-fisted piano style rooted in ragtime and boogie-woogie, as you will hear. Arizona Drains was really the kingpin in that style. And other people, generations later, continue to play with her influences. Will Award from the Clara Ward Singers, who I got to interview maybe 15 years ago, told me that, you know, in the 1960s and 50s, Arizona Drains was at all the Baptist conventions where members of the church would gather once a year for a big convention and Arizona Drains would be there, usually playing behind a choir, but also playing some solos. And she influenced a lot of these younger players. Anyway, I'm going to say goodnight and I'm going to leave you with Arizona Drains' 1926 recording of Crucifixion. So listen to us next week, folks, right here on American Grooves Radio, WLIW 88.3. Good night. to you weekly on WLIW-FM Southampton, 88.3 on your radio dial, and at WLIW.org, and all streaming formats.